the world is changing fast. AI is reshaping the way we create, imagine, and express ourselves. But what does this mean for art? And what does it mean for us? Come along as we find out. Welcome to Art Official Intelligence. Hello everybody, welcome back to Artificial Intelligence. This is episode three and we're going to be talking about music and the use of AI in sound design and the music industry. I'm Beth. I'm Thea. And I'm Suzanne. So as Beth said, this week's episode we'll be discussing AI and the music industry and sound design. So we'll be looking at how it's being used, what it means for creatives, and we'll also be speaking to Anna Betancourt, who's the co-founder and head of innovation at Black Goblin, which is a local Edinburgh sound design company. So why are we talking about AI? AI is now used in so many ways in the music industry and in the creative process, from generating voices, lyrics, instruments, and also in post-production. Some artists are worried about the integrity in their music, and there are fears that AI is going to take over. There are certainly polarizing views on it, with many people believing it has the potential to undermine the value of human creativity, and others believing it will enhance what can be achieved. But what do you guys think about it? Honestly, whenever I think of AI, I'm still thinking of like robots and stuff and just taking over the world. And I think I'm very influenced by the portrayal of AI on social media and in like the mainstream media. So I think it's often like heavily portrayed as being this negative and frightening thing that's taking over, stealing from artists and like rendering them sort of useless. Um, And I don't like that. I'm a very like creative person. Um, I like the personal touches of creativity. So I'm kind of scared by this idea of like blurring the lines between what is real and what isn't and what we can trust and what we can't trust. Yeah, to be honest, I'm quite similar to you. And before this year, I did not realise how much it was being used in the creative industries. But then I heard this song, it's called Heart on My Sleeve by Drake and The Weeknd. Have you guys heard this? No, I don't know what that is. I do remember when it came out and I was like, is this real? I wasn't sure. (laughs) Yeah, so it's completely AI generated. Like it sounds just like them, their voices, the lyrics, you could imagine that they wrote it. But It was all just done through AI. And right now on YouTube, it has over 6.2 million listens. But is that like allowed to exist? Is there not like copyright laws that prevent that from happening? Well, their management's taken it down off all the kind of official sites. But it got nominated, like it got put up for Grammy (gasps) consideration. You're kidding. What? I do remember the lyrics talked about their personal relationship with singer Selena Gomez. And I think that's so scary because people believed it was real. And that can actually be damaging to their character and how people view them and how they're seen. So yeah, I think that's super, super scary. Let me play you a little bit of the song and you can tell me what you think. Now that you've played that, I think I actually might have heard that before, but I don't think I realised that it was AI when I heard it. Like, that sounds really, really familiar. I actually think it sounds really good as well. Like, if that was on his album, I would totally, like, believe it's him. Like, no question. Yeah, that sounds so much like him. That's really weird. And, like, they had nothing to do with that process. That's so strange. I actually remember there was also some controversy and concern this summer when Sir Paul McCartney revealed that they were employing artificial intelligence 
to help create what he calls the final Beatles record. People first feared that he was going to use AI to replicate John Lennon's voice because that's what people first think of when they think of AI in music. But actually what they're using is a process known as stem separation. In a Radio 4 interview, he said that they were able to take John's voice from an old cassette. Basically, they had John's voice and a guitar and they used AI to separate the two. So they're not recreating any voices. They're using AI to make the voice clearer and purer. Okay, so like, I think it's quite apparent there are lots of different ways to use AI and AI technologies and it's a lot more sort of like complex than we thought because that seems like a good thing to be able to do. But I've also seen this year that this completely AI-generated singer has been signed to a record label. She's got contracts with designers. She's got an Instagram page with like hundreds of thousands of followers. Her name is Nunuri. I think what's interesting is that it doesn't really seem to be putting people off. Um, you know, she's got 83,000 monthly listeners on Spotify. People are kind of embracing it already. But like, surely you can tell in the songs that it's AI. But I'll let you decide. We'll give this a listen. Okay, that's interesting because it does kind of just sound like a really heavily auto-tuned song that you would hear on the radio, like in the mainstream charts, but I do feel like you can tell that it's not a real person. It sounds kind of like a Eurovision song, actually, that sort of vibe. Oh my god, that's so true. Yeah, so I, I would believe that it was just a proper real song. I think that we're still thinking of AI in this very broad, like mainstream sort of terms. So I think it'd be important if we chat to Anna. So we did an interview with Anna and we're going to play that now. And she explained a little bit more to us about how AI is being used in smaller ways, in smaller industries for independent creators. My name is Anna Bettenkurt and I'm one of two co-founders of Black Goblin Audio. Our company was uh, co-founded in 2018 and we started as a services company. So basically we were just working with, you know, creatives such as yourselves and just adding sound design to pretty much anyone that had a project that needed or required sound design. But then around 2019, I had this idea of making our work a bit easier and more cost effective and build some sort of software that could help us basically get some profit from our work. Um, I think for anyone working in the creative industries, it's kind of a known fact that it's not very easy to make a living out of it. And so for us, that was the first motivation. But then when we started talking to our clients, we kind of figured out that it was just, it was a problem that, that our industry was facing with sound beyond the monetary issue, the financial issue. So it had to do with um, basically fear to technicality. So sound is a very technical thing. For someone who's creative and just wants to get all of the kind of artistic part of themselves out there, it's just a very boring thing to do. And that's where the idea of our product Thol came. And it's, it's kind of conceived as a collaboration platform. So it sort of helps you communicate with sound designers and it's using machine learning, not just because it's the new hot thing to do, but because it's meant to, to create a workflow that it's really easy and that brings out the artistic parts of the sound creation process rather than the technical ones. 
it's definitely like a very difficult thing because there's obviously just so much terminology involved yeah. like mm-hmm. there's terminology involved in sound design anyway but then to combine that with the terminology involved in like machine learning and AI is just it can get very complex very quickly yeah. um so we know that like one of the things that you said on your website is that you want to try and make it accessible mm-hmm. for all could you like tell us a little bit more about that and like how you're aiming for that in your company mm-hmm. So we are really working with an industry, with a sector that it's pretty much independent and small, mighty, but small and mighty because also we know that there's billions of pounds that are produced every year anyway from the creative sector and from content creation specifically. You really need to be able to do content really quickly. And we are finding that a lot of the hiccup is sound. So how do we make that accessible? So for us, the way that we're doing this, this is how we're using technology. This is why we're using technology, because we want to make sure that the workflow and the process is just as easy as it can be. And if you have to spend 10, 15 minutes setting up just to get some sound, that's probably not the most you know, productive way of using your time. And so this is one of the things that we're trying to tackle. We're trying to automate all of these more technical aspects. People feel this the less accessible. So the way that we're doing this is we're building a piece of software that you can just have in your computer and basically get started and get started the right way. So it's like sort of reducing the amount of hours it takes, like reducing working hours and then therefore reducing the cost and like using AI technologies to do that. That's it. Our kind of research into that is basically has thrown the we can reduce up to 75% of the time that you spend uh, working on any particular given piece of sound. And therefore, that also reduces a huge amount of cost. What mm-hmm. would you say to people who say that like doing it that way sort of reduces the creative side of, side of like going out, finding these sounds, testing these sounds? Mm-hmm. Do you think that there is a like counter argument to people who would say that would just squash all creativity from the process? Or mm-hmm. what's your opinion of that? I think it, with everything, there's risk. And we need to be like really honest and straightforward about that. And I'm not here to tell you, no, machine learning is the best thing. I actually think it depends because ultimately any technology is designed and developed by humans. So who is behind the technologies that you consume is the question that you should be asking. Then the other aspect is that, you know, the work of the model is not the end. So the output of the model is not the end. It's not, you know, you're going to get a footstep and that's going to be great. It's going to be good quality, but the artistic input is always going to be super important. How do you manipulate and how do you carry on developing that sound? And that's really the part that we want people to focus on, which is why we're getting them to the point where they have some, you know, quick output, which they can then, you know, keep processing and keep kind of mulling over. That's the part that we want people to spend more time, the creative side. So if anything, I think depending on how you design things, you can actually enhance how creative someone can be with machine learning. There's a lot of negative discourse mm-hmm. online surrounding AI and probably a lot of like fear-mongering as well and stuff like yeah. that. Um, so we wanted to ask you, like, do you think that, that is all misconception or is there truth to it? Does AI pose a threat? One of the most important things to sort of understand is that there's a lot of things that we've been using for decades that are AI. And I think the concerns come from the data privacy. And I think that is that is true whether it is AI or it's any other type of of technology that processes information, who has access to your information and how that's used. That's where the main concern comes and it is justified. 
Do you think the fear around that's higher in like creative industries, creative circles, than it is sort of across the board in technology because people see it as quite a human thing to be creative? Yeah, in a nutshell. And and you know what? It makes sense. Like I would be afraid of it as well if I hadn't worked on it. You know, as a sound designer, I'm like, oh, we were already struggling before this. Mm-hmm. You know, now if someone can come and do things that I can do, you know, it's very scary. But I think the best thing that we can do is to kind of keep ourselves invested. And I don't think. I wouldn't be the person to tell you, oh, people need to stop worrying. No, actually, I think it's good to worry. If you have that question, then someone needs to come and answer. Someone that the person, hopefully, that is building this thing, like myself, familiar, I need to answer this question. I need to like constantly, every day I wake up, I need to say like, am I doing something that I shouldn't be doing? If we all do that, then great. But just doesn't matter what age you are, you know, just go and learn something about, about how models work. Think that would help a lot definitely helped me yeah i think even in just us having this conversation and you going through it it's like already i feel less fearful mm-hmm. not that i was completely scared before but it is this daunting thing that's just around us and we're kind of having to deal with it and sort of integrate it into our lives so just having sort of your opinion and hearing about it and us, us having this conversation and obviously doing this podcast is hopefully going to start those conversations and get people sort of a little bit more interested as well mm-hmm. and less scared yeah, let people see how it can be used in partnership instead of something that they're sort of mm-hmm. knocking against or pushing against. Yeah, to help. What's like what you said? Yeah, I think I think that's that's the core takeaway. Ask questions. Let's ask for more legislation, but also get acquainted with the technology. Don't be afraid of it because it is happening. You can't stop it. So that was our conversation with Anna. We hope you learned something because I know that we definitely did. Yeah, I think it was really beneficial to sit down and talk to someone who's working on a smaller scale in the sound design industry. Absolutely. And I think she kind of talked about it in sort of simpler terms, which made it a lot easier for us to understand. Mm -hmm. I did actually like when she said that rather than AI taking over, it was like a tool to help artists. So to enhance their creativity and enhance what they do. I was like, oh, yeah, okay, that's that's a nice way to think about it. Yeah, like a partnership instead Mm -hmm. of a competition. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that that could definitely work as long as it's used for good by good people, which I just don't trust (laughs) that it's going to be used. Skeptical. Yeah, I'm very skeptical still of the whole thing, just because it is developing so fast, like she said, and we it just feels like we don't really have any legislation to control it or really have a grip on it yet. So I think it's just until we get that legislation and we have experts working in that field, it's just always going to be something that's a little bit threatening. Yeah, and I think we're we are seeing that like it's like legislation's playing catch up to the technology. Like even with that Drake track, it was put up on mainstream streaming platforms, Spotify, Apple Music before it got taken down and the copyright discussions began to happen. It got that far. Yeah. So it does feel like there's a bit of a catch up game to be played here. Yeah. And it's like how much damage can it do before that catch up happens, which I think is my main concern with it. Yeah, and the thing is that these big artists have the means to kind of stamp down on it when they feel like their creativity copyright is being violated, but smaller artists don't really have the capacity to do that. Yeah, that's a very good point. But I think it was still very, very interesting to talk to Anna and to get different sides of the debate. Still making up my mind, but we're hoping that this podcast has let you guys think of a few different angles on the subject. And join us next week where we'll be talking about the use of AI in the film industry. Thank you.